Do you really know who your podcast audience is? Now, I don't mean are they male or female and how much income do they make every month. That's not the kind of information I'm talking about. I'm asking you, do you know who they are in terms of what their needs are and what they enjoy listening to when it comes to media? Do you know what it is you can do for them and what it is that other podcasts they listen to are doing for them? These questions are super relevant for figuring out how to increase your podcast audience. Because there are other podcasters out there whose audience shares the same characteristics as you. And what could happen if you could meet that podcaster and they could get to know you a bit, you could get to know them. And the two of you together could figure out a way to use the leverage you have with your own audience to help each other grow your podcast audience. This episode of Podcastification, I'm talking with a friend of mine, Scott Johnson, who has done this exact thing. I asked Scott all the questions about how he got the idea, how he goes about doing it, and by the way, there's three different ways he goes about doing it, and what to do and not do in reaching out to other podcasters. You won't want to miss this one. Stick around. My name is Kerry Green, and I am the Client Happiness Guy at PodcastFastTrack.com, and this is Podcastification. Podcastification is all about you, teaching you how to podcast, how to put into practice the best practices that I and my team have learned in working with hundreds of clients. You are going to podcast better from listening to this show. If you like what you hear on Podcastification, Please just hit the pause button, swipe to the sharing function on your app, and share this episode with somebody you know will benefit. And if you'd like to get in on more podcastification goodness, you can do it by subscribing to our podcast optimizer email series. And I promise you, you won't get lots of junk. You'll just get one actionable email a week. Go to podcastfasttrack.com slash optimizer. That is enough of that kind of stuff. Let's get you podcastificated right away. Scott Johnson, thanks so much for joining me for this conversation. I'm excited to be here, Kerry. Yeah, I think everybody says excited. We need to come up with another word, don't we? Um, I am thrilled. thrilled. Uh, wow, we call yeah. it the same word. That is, boy, great minds and all that. Wow. <laughs> hey, yeah, great minds. That's what my sister used to say. <laughs> and she also used to say, hey, I can't pay for it with my good looks, you know, that kind of thing. So <laughs> it tells you a little bit about my sister. Well, I'm also delighted. How about that? Okay. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> I'm glad you're delighted. That makes me feel good as a host. Well, I am excited. Oh, there's that word again, to tell the audience about your journey. And I'm going to let you do that. But I want to start off just by saying, Scott, your show is really cool. And what I've seen you do just from the, the short time we've known each other has just been amazing. So I want to say kudos to you, but let's start off with you giving us just kind of a big picture snapshot, nutshell, whatever you want to call it, of where you're at today with your podcast and whatever that means to you, whatever stats or demographics you think are helpful, please share those with us. I want to give people a vision for what can happen with a podcast from an independent standpoint when it's done consistently and the work is actually put in started listening to podcasts around 2011 or 2012 
And I have been, uh, I've owned a computer services business since 1999. So um, like 22 years, something like that. And when I started listening to podcasts, I thought, you know, this is something I should do to promote my own business and to establish myself as an authority in that space. So around 2012, I started doing uh, my first podcast. I still do that one, but that's for my business. It's a computer tips and tricks for non-techie people. It's called the Computer Tutor Podcast, and I still do that one, uh, but that's my business podcast. What I do now today is what I refer to in comparison, my fun podcast, the one I'm yeah. really passionate about. Yeah. And so that was about three and a half years ago. It was middle of, um, let's see, it was July of 2018 that I started doing this podcast called What Was That Like? And how that came about is I, I found that I enjoyed podcast episodes where someone told a story. And it was even better if it was a true story. And I just, I looked around and I couldn't find other podcasts doing that as much as, at least not as much as I would like to listen to. So I figured, okay, I know how to do a podcast. I'll just start doing that myself. So the first episode was in July of 2018. So it's been about three, almost three and a half years now. Yeah. Let me interject for a minute, Scott. I just want to draw out a lesson from what you just said. Oftentimes with clients and people who come to me and they want to start a podcast, but they're, you know, they're not like, what should I podcast about that? That's often mm -hmm. a question, believe it or not. I love that you're just a living illustration of what I've seen be so successful. And that is, if you want something and can't find it, go make it. So many people find success that way. So I, sorry to interrupt, but let me abbreviate your story for a minute. Tell us where you're at today. And we're going to go back and get all the history in just a moment. Where I'm at today, after three and a half years, I just this year started taking on sponsors because the show is now big enough. I didn't want to really do sponsors until it got big enough that it was worthwhile. You know, it's, it's no, there's no point in uh, inflicting an ad on your listeners if you're going to make a hundred <laughs> bucks from it or something, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to make it sure it was worthwhile for everybody. But now I'm, um, my, my numbers are somewhere getting close to 25,000 downloads for a new episode within the first 30 days. And that's one of the numbers I track. I track others as well, but yeah, that's where I'm at now. I'm taking regular sponsors and I also have a Patreon, which uh, which is growing. So I'm happy with the growth, but like most podcasters, it's not growing as quickly as I'd like it to. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. I mean, I tell people all the time, podcasting is a slow growth mechanism. Mm -hmm. But if you put in the consistency and the hard work to make it valuable content, it will grow. It Absolutely. will grow over time. And that's what your story demonstrates for us. Mm -hmm. All right. So Scott, my main desire in our conversation is to talk about your promotional attempts and efforts throughout the years. And I know that's going to have to take us back a little bit in history because, you know, all of us, especially as indie podcasters, kind of start not really knowing how to do all that stuff and not knowing what we're doing as a podcaster, period. So take us back to the point when you started realizing, hey, if this thing's going to grow, I'm going to have to make it grow somehow. Tell us about your initial attempts. What were the things you tried to do to get your audience to grow? Well, like most podcasters, I would say, you know, obviously social media, I'm on Facebook. So I would post a new episode on Facebook every, every time one came out, I would join some Facebook groups. Took me a while to get into Instagram, but that is, that's going well now. But in the beginning, my main thing in the beginning, and really I could, I should say even now is that people tell other people about the show. That was probably my, one of the biggest things I did in the beginning. And that's 
that's one of the reasons I have a specific plan or strategy for naming each episode, because you know how you subscribe to a lot of shows, but you don't listen to every episode. You scroll through and you know you cherry pick. I do right. the same thing, but with my episodes, I name them something like uh, Diana survived a plane crash or Jeremy was bitten by a rattlesnake or Whitney was shot 12 times. I want people as they're scrolling through new episodes to look at that and say, okay, I have to hear that story. Yeah. Yeah. So that was one of my strategies, but like what you mentioned earlier, one of the big things that I did was trading promotion with other podcasts and that has worked really well. Trading promotion. Now, I know that there's two different versions of this, so I'm going to describe them from my vantage point. And you tell me which of these did, and maybe you did both. One of them would be, hey, I've got this great promotion or promo I've made up for my podcast. It's about a minute long. I would love for you to make one too, and I'll play yours on my podcast, and you can play mine on your podcast, and hopefully both our audiences will grow. That's one option. The other option is what I think I actually learned from you, which is really the one I'm totally interested in. And that's called an episode swap, which is where you take one of your best episodes. You have the host of the other show create their own intro to that episode, saying to their audience why they're playing this episode from a different podcast on their show. And then in, in maybe an outro they would record, they give a call to action of how to find your show. And then you're doing the same thing for them. And they play yours as a bonus episode in their podcast. You play yours, theirs as a bonus episode in your podcast. And you're kind of like a Costco sample. You're giving a, a taste of what the other show is like. Now, which of those have you done first off? I've done both of those and I've actually done one other. I actually classify these in three styles. All right, educate me. Okay. Well, the first one is, is one that you mentioned. I created a 60-second audio, and actually I created one 30 seconds, 45 seconds, and 60 seconds, so I could kind of give the other show what they wanted. So I created that. It was a promo describing my show and where they can listen and all that. And so I found another show, and they played that at the end of their show, post-roll, and I played theirs at the end of my show. And it worked well. That was the first hmm. time I'd ever tried to do anything like this, but I had planned it a little bit ahead of time to make sure that our audiences were similar. And that's one of the big critical factors in this. You've got to have a similar audience, similar type of listener. Yeah, so okay. we can talk about that and how to find that as, Yeah, let as me well. Let me stop for a moment and ask you two questions related to that. You say it worked well. Define that for me. Okay. Well, when we did this, I was averaging... 200 to 300 downloads per day. And on new release day, it would spike to about 800. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, on that first promo trade day, that day equaled a new release day. So it was around oh, wow. 800. But here's the thing. When you do this, you don't really see the results until two or three days later. Because two or three days later, or three or four days later, it went to about 1,200. And then it gradually went back down. It's kind of funny, you know, you notice that the other show just played your promo and you go to look at your numbers. Well, what happened? It's not up as what I as much as I thought it would be, but it's a delayed reaction. Yeah. So in a few days, you saw a spike in overall downloads. And did I hear you right that it went back down to normal numbers after that? It went gradually back down, but not to the previous level. Okay. It was a little bit higher because, you know, not everybody's going to subscribe, but some of them do. Yeah. People that really like it, they're going to stick around. Okay, so, so you've you, got a gradual increase of the average. 
Yeah. And let me, let me just highlight some things I think are probably happening there that we may not think of. And, and you even could think of it as, oh, well, it wasn't as successful as I wanted. But think about all these people who heard your episode, who now know about it. And when they're talking with someone else about podcasts and the kind of podcast that their friend listens to, they go, oh, yeah, I listened to this show once. It's called, what was that like? I think it sounds like you would really like that, you know, and they may not be a subscriber, but they may actually be promoting your episode all the same. But I also love that the initial spike kind of set a new normal for your show. And you had this new plateau that your downloads were at. And that's that's kind of what I expected. All right, so that's the 45, 60 second, 90 second promo version. Give us the next one that you've done. The second one is kind of an intermediate before we get to the real big one. And that is a host read recommendation. And that was done mid-roll. I found Hmm. a different podcast and I did the same thing. I listened to her show, decided that I really liked it. And it was something that I could recommend to my audience, which is also another critical factor. Yeah. And so at that point, I was averaging around 500 downloads a day. And on new release day, it would spike to around 1500. Okay. Promo trade day was about 800. So it was higher than the average. And then it stayed around 800 for about a week. And then it gradually came down. So, but again, when it comes down, it's higher than what the average was previously. And remember, you're getting a higher average continually, but this costs absolutely nothing. Yeah. You're not putting any money out. So it's, you know, it's, it's definitely always worth it. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. So you're stair-stepping your Mm -hmm. listenership a little bit at a time through these free, that's a great point, Scott, these free promo swaps. This is amazing. And just before we go into the other one, was the result similar for the people you were swapping with? Did they report back to you how it happened for them? They reported benefit, but I didn't get actual numbers from them. So I can't really say both of these first two types, these two shows that I did this with, their numbers were already higher than mine. Hmm. And that's, you don't always, you're not always able to do that. Sometimes shows really want, okay, you know, you don't have as many downloads as I do. I want to do a trade with some other show, but you know, you establish a relationship and it does benefit both of you. So yeah. there's no, there's no problem with that. Yeah. Well, props to those people for being willing to do it because a bump in subscribers is a bump in subscribers. It doesn't matter Absolutely. how big of a bump you get. So I think they were very wise there. All right, Scott. So take us on into the full episode swap version. How does that look? Yeah, this was a really fun one. The, the funny thing is the on my show, I talked to people who've been through really unusual situations and I looked around, I couldn't find any other show doing stories like that except for one. And it's a show called This Is Actually Happening. And Mm. I listened to that show myself because I love the stories. And so I thought, okay, this would be so perfect because I know my audience would love the stories that he's doing. And I know his audience would love the the stories that I'm doing on my show. So I kind of planned it out and I sent him an email. I found the host's email address. I sent him an email. His name's Wit. And I said, look, I just wanted to let you know, I listened to your show. I love the format. I particularly like this particular episode that I just recently listened to. So he, he knows it's not some cookie cutter email that I'm sending out to a hundred people. And I said, I had the idea that what if we kind of swap episodes? Because I know each of our audience was lo- would love to learn about the other show. And just let me know what you think. So I sent him that email and I didn't hear anything for two or three days. 
And I thought, oh, okay, he's a he's a big podcaster. He's got a great show. He's yeah. he's too busy. He doesn't respond to all these emails he gets. But turns out during those two or three days, he was listening to my show because he wanted yeah. to confirm that this is something that he could recommend to his audience. Yeah. And so he sent me back an email and he said, yeah, I'm open to that. Let's get on a phone call and talk about it. Mm. And the phone call is what locked it in. We knew that we could trust each other. We we just had a really good feel for a chemistry between us. And he said, okay, yeah, just pick one of my shows. I'll send it to you. I'll pick one of yours. And we we both did it as a bonus episode. So it's not like our our listeners were missing out on a regular show in place of this one. It came in between because we each, at that time, we each did episodes every other week. So we both did it on an off week. And it was great because I listened to what he said at, in introing my episode on his show. He said, look, this is Wit. This is the host. I know this is an off week, but I get people asking me all the time, what other shows are like this? What other shows can I listen to? And I've found one. This is one <laughs> you're going to love. And oh my gosh, that that personal host recommendation is what really, that's what just made it crush. So at that time when that happened, I was averaging, still averaging around 500 per day and 1500 on a new release day. Well, on the day of the episode swap, when he played mine, my show went over 4,000. Oh day. my goodness. Okay. So what, eight times what I normally get. And then the next couple of days, up to 5,000. And then three days after it hit 6,000 and it gradually went down. But again, the average is much higher than it was prior to doing that. Oh yeah. And it's just incredible because, and of course that episode is part of his back catalog. Yeah. And this is kind of a side thing, but you know, like if you're on Reddit and somebody asks, hey, what's a great podcast to listen to? What's something about true stories or whatever? I can't go on there and say, hey, listen to mine because you're self-promoting. They don't allow that. Hmm. But I can go on and say, listen to this other one. Listen to hmm. what uh, this is actually happening. Because you know what? When they find his show, they find my show. Yeah, eventually. So yeah. it's kind of uh, around the barn way to, to do that. Yeah, so th that is great. It was absolutely incredible. But you just got to, with something like that, with a full episode swap, your audience trusts you in recommending something and you're putting a whole, you know, an hour long thing into their feed that they really didn't ask for. So it's got to be something that, you know, they're really going to like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, some assumptions I would make about that, just having seen how stats work over time is that the other podcaster had to have had a pretty sizable audience because those those spikes that you saw in the continued growth of them for two or three days to me means not all of his audience was hearing the episode that first day, but more did the second day and more did the third day. And so, you know, because that's the beauty of podcasting, you don't have to listen on release day and a sizable audience. You'll, you'll see that release day bump for, for days rather than oh, one day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I have a Facebook group for the podcast listeners. And one of the questions I ask before they come in the group is how did you find out about the podcast? Cause I yeah. always want to keep track of that. And this, that episode swap was a year and a half ago. And I still get people regularly saying, I discovered your podcast cause I listened to this is actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, talk about a long-term effect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Listeners, let's just summarize real quick. We've got the promo swap that's a shorter version, so 30 second, 45, 60, whatever. You've got the 
host read recommendation that Scott and his partners did mid roll. And by the way, the, the episode swap came post roll. And then you've got the episode swap where it's a full on episode, a bonus episode, and you're you're making sure that you're doing it in a way where the host recommends the other show and that host trust factor really seems to set it off. All right. So Scott, let's talk about practicalities here. I know a lot of people are hearing your story and just go, they're itching to do this, but you've already said this and I want to, I want to dig into it now. You can't just do this with any podcast. You can't just reach out to, uh, for example, say you do a show like yours. What was this like? And it's true stories of crazy things that have happened in people's lives. You can't reach out to Nick Loper, who does the side hustle show and expect that there's going to be a similar demographic necessarily. And you also can't expect that just because he's got a big listenership, you're going to get a big bump from it because your demographic may not be the same. So tell me, how did you go about, number one, finding shows that you felt were similar? And then how did you go about confirming that? This is a critical thing to do before you even start trying to contact other shows or anything. You've got to, number one, the other show should be in the same category or something similar. You should have the same audience. Now, in my show, not every episode is true crime, but some of them are. Yeah. And I know my listeners, I did a listener survey, and I know 87% of my listeners are female, and they love true crime. They listen to true crime like crazy. And so I knew true crime shows would be a good mix for me. And somebody that listens to true crime shows also likes to hear other stories that are really crazy, but they're still true, even though they don't involve somebody getting murdered. Did you hear that, listeners? Listener surveys, listener surveys, listener surveys. I'm going to say it again and again. Scott knew his audience and he had already asked them, what kind of shows do you listen to? So he knew already. He had, he had the legwork done, so to speak, in some respects. So Scott, please continue. And the other factor that I looked at was you want to have a show that has roughly the same number of downloads as yours, or maybe a little more. Usually the first thing people say is, well, download numbers aren't public. I have no idea how to even calculate that. But you don't look at downloads. You look at, all we need is a comparison. You can go into an app like CastBox and look at their number of subscribers. Those are subscribers only on that app, but you can look at how many subscribers you have on that app and look at similar shows with similar numbers of subscribers. So know, you know you're at least somewhere in the ballpark. Those are the two things that I that I looked at um, you know, to make sure whoever I contacted would be a good match. Yeah, that's great. And so CastBox shows number of subscribers. Do you know of any other apps or platforms that do that? I believe Overcast does as well. Hmm. Okay. And I know for, for my show, I listen to podcasts on Podcast Addict. If I look at my show and some other shows, it shows number of subscribers, but for some reason it doesn't do that for all of them. Hmm. I don't know if maybe hmm. they have a minimum threshold to before they start displaying that number or something. I don't know. Okay. So that's important to know the tools that we can use to kind of assess number of downloads. And as Scott said, understand you're talking about downloads on that app, not just, you know, across the board industry wise for that, for that show. And so you, you got some shows in mind as targets, potential partners you could reach out to. And then what was your next step? Well, the next step would be to figure out which way would be the best to contact them. And for me, I just like email. If the show has a website and they have a contact form, you can send that. Or if you if you use Twitter or if you use Instagram, you might want to go and look and see what the other host is most active on. 
because some people have a Twitter account, but you know, they might check it once a month and you know, what's the point of trying to do that? That's smart. Yeah. So I try to contact them in the way that they're comfortable communicating and make it very low key. You don't want to come on and say, you know, if you, to do an episode swap, you know, you come on and say, uh, Hey, I just saw your show. Let's trade episodes. You know, it's like asking to get married on the first date. Yeah. You don't want to do that. And so I tried to come across very low key saying, Hey, you know, I thought this might be a great idea. Let me know what you think. And knowing that I'm fingers crossed that (laughs) they're going to say yes. And here's another thing. Don't be tempted. If somebody contacts you to do this and, but they don't have the same audience, don't be tempted just to do it. Yeah. I was talking with another show who is, it's a cybersecurity show. Hmm. And they said, yeah, well, you know, you play our promo, we'll put your ad, your promo in the back catalog for 40,000 episodes and neither of us, it doesn't cost us anything. And I said, no, I don't cybersecurity. And mostly my show is mostly female. And their response was, well, this is cybersecurity. It's something that should interest everybody. Should. Yeah. Well, no, (laughs) I don't think so. So, I mean, maybe I would have gotten some new listeners from that. I don't know, but it wasn't. I may have sacrificed a few of my listeners in terms of my integrity and yeah, Scott will recommend anything just to, just to do a trade. Yeah. I do that. Yeah. That's a good point, Scott. And I appreciate that you brought that up because audience fit with this kind of thing is so important. Uh, I mean, what you described with the cybersecurity thing is kind of like, you know, recommending swimsuits to a, to a person who lives in Siberia, you know, it's like, why would you do that? It just doesn't make sense. That's, that's bad marketing. So great. So I love how you were reaching out to them. I love what you said about it being low key. I originally met Scott Johnson by being a part of a mastermind group with him. Now you may not be familiar with what a mastermind is, but it's a, a meeting where any group of people, who share common interests and common goals, come together to help each other succeed in those areas. In this case, Scott and I were part of a podcaster's mastermind group. It's a group that I put together as part of my company, Podcast Fast Track. And Scott and a handful of others came together every other week to talk about the struggles they were having with their podcasts, receive advice from others in the group based on their experience so far as a podcaster. And then I was there as the facilitator to draw on my six plus years of podcast coaching and producing experience and the interactions I've had with clients and say, yeah, that's a great idea. Go for that. And then sometimes eh, you might want to be careful there because this or that is happening in the industry and you may not want to step into that can of worms. You see, a podcast mastermind many times is the thing that gets the creative juices flowing and moves you into a new realm where you see success like never before. We're taking applications for members for our next podcast mastermind, and there are specific criteria you have to meet to be a part of one of these groups. You can go to podcastfasttrack.com slash podcast dash mastermind and submit your application if you meet the qualifications. I will include that link in the show notes and description for this episode, so be sure you find it if you're interested in being a part of our next podcast mastermind. This is November 2021 when we're recording this. I get pitches from people to be on my podcast, write blog posts, etc., etc., all the time. And 
I used to try to respond to them just out of consideration that there's a human being on the other end and say, hey, I don't think it's a good fit, but thanks for reaching out. You know, whatever. Just something somewhat polite. I get so many of them now, Scott. The minute I see one, I almost every time just spam, spam, spam. I just get rid of them because I don't appreciate what's most common about them. And that is that they have not researched my show. They are not a good fit for my audience and they don't seem to know it. <laughs> you know, they, they, right. they're just spamming me. And so I would love to hear your insights on what goes into making that email low key. What goes into making a connection with that person that they actually will take the time to read it rather than just spam immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, and I get those same emails, you know, I'll get somebody that uh, does lead funneling for businesses and, and the first line is, we think he's going to be a great fit for your show. Well, clearly you have never listened to an episode of my show. And yeah, I just delete those. I don't even bother. When crafting this email, my main concern is that I want it to look unique, not like one that went out to 100 people at the same time. And so the subject line of the email even is where I start and usually the subject line that I'll put is from Scott Johnson and that's it. And so they, who's Scott Johnson? Who's that? And that at least they might open it to read it. It's not going to say idea for your show or I listen to your podcast, you know, something generic like that. It's my name. In every email, I mention a few episodes that I've actually listened to. And I make comments in such a way that it's not somebody that could have just looked at the title of the episode and been able to talk about it. I try to mention something pretty specific about one of their episodes so they can tell, even as long as they open and read the email, they can tell, okay, this guy's actually listened to an episode. And that mm. just that alone sets me apart from all the other junk mail proposals that they, you know, that they get all the time, just like what you said you get. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, this is, oh, I could talk about this forever because there is definitely an art to this, but it's not a manipulative sort of art. It's a relational art. It's a, an emotional intelligence kind of an art, knowing how to really connect with a person, a real person, because there's something value that you can exchange here with each other. Now, let me ask you real quick. I'm just very curious about this. Where did you get that idea to put from Scott Johnson? I just thought of it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is brilliant. That is like the ultimate in curiosity provoking. You're a savvy guy. I've learned that about you over the years. You figure things out uh, with a different sort of perspective. So I really appreciate that. Well, you know what the perspective is? I try to look at it from that person, from the recipient's yeah. standpoint. And what is going to make them actually click? You know, it's like when you get junk mail in your mailbox and your physical mail, and it says important records enclosed or something like that. And then you can see that it was sent bulk mail. Well, you know, it's junk mail and they're just trying to trick you into opening it. Yeah. I don't want to come across that way, you know? Yeah. And, and that's the reason, I mean, and, and it takes more time. It, you know, you could send out a hundred emails and have them pre-populate the fields and make it try to look like it's original, but everybody sees through that. Yeah. But doing it this way, you're looking at emails one at a time and really crafting that email. So it's, it is going to take time. It takes work to do that. Yeah. Now that was my next question. How much time does it take you? Let me just lump a bunch of things together here to research shows and find a show that you think would be a good target, affirm or confirm that their audience is similar to your audience. 
find how to best connect with that person, and then finally craft that communication so that it's appealing and winsome rather than immediate spam. How long does all that take you roughly? Maybe 30, 45 minutes. Okay. 30, 45 minutes. Long. Yeah. Because as far as finding a similar show that we have a similar audience, I know almost any true crime show is going to fit that category. Yeah. So that part is taken care of. Then I have to listen to an episode or two. And my listening time is, I work from home and I really don't listen to podcasts while I'm working. So my listening time is the hour each morning when I'm out on my bike, or if I have to go somewhere in my car to try to stay caught up as much as I can. And if I'm considering contacting a, a host to do something like this, I put their show at the top of the queue so that that's the next one I'm going to listen to and give me an idea if I even want to pursue it. Sometimes I listen to the, sh- listen to the show and either they've got bad audio or they've got something about it that I don't like, like a bunch of chatter, you know, 10 minutes before they get to the topic. Yeah. And some people don't like that. Some people do, but it's not something that I'd be able to personally recommend. So part, if they pass that filter, then I'll go into finding them. And it's not usually difficult to find contact information for hosts. Some yeah. of them it is. Then I just send the email out and I don't have any expectations when I send the email. I don't follow up at all. If they want to do something, they'll get back to me. If they don't, you know, there's 2 million podcasts out there. You're not going to run out of shows. Right. And if your email happens to hit spam, it hits spam. You don't, you don't worry about it. I love that because I do get repeated spam (laughs) from those people who do the bad things. And then they send back, did you get a chance to look at my email? And exactly. I don't want to be one of those people either. Yeah. Well, Scott, I appreciate the reason I wanted to ask about the time is because for people who are considering doing this, I want you to take to heart a mantra that I've kind of taken on when it comes to business and online content production and that sort of stuff. And hear me clearly, I don't always pull this off, but it's my ambition. And it's a quote from Steve Martin, to be so good, they can't ignore you. You know, that takes time. You've got to be willing to put in the effort to do the work the way it needs to be done in order to get the attention you're hoping to get. There's no shortcuts in this. Right. And Scott, you're demonstrating that. You're taking the time to find the right person, find the right audience, find the right way to connect with them, and then find the right message that they would respond to. I love that. That's all just just ideal. Now, what more do you want to say about this? What are results that have come from this besides just listener growth? What have you seen come of this that you can attribute back to this approach? I mean, the main result is the exact result that I was looking for, and that is steady growth over the life of the podcast. You know, and you, you were talking about shortcuts. There are shortcuts, but they don't work. You know, yeah, you, go in, yeah. you go on online and you'll see people posting, hey, give us a review. I'll review you. We'll, we'll trade subscribe for subscribe. And uh, that's just garbage. Yeah. You know, look at any successful show and ask them, how did you get to be successful? They're not going to relate that that's what they did, you know, because it's, it's just nonsense. One thing I really, I really like to emphasize is when you do a trade with another show, to over deliver. Mm. So you guys agree that, okay, I'm going to read a a host read ad about your show and mine, and you're going to do the same thing. But I don't just do that. I post about that in my Facebook group on my own profile. You know, I may go on Reddit. There's people on Reddit always asking for what is, I need a new podcast to listen to. What do you go on there and promote their show? And that way you develop a reputation, you know, and that's all we have is our reputation. So, you know, maybe some, some other podcaster, 
might talk to them and say, hey, you did a trade with this guy. What, did that work out okay? And they're going to have a very positive thing to say about you. Don't burn any bridges and always treat people better than they expect to be treated. Yeah. I love that over deliver thing. To me, a synonymous word with that is be generous. You want to think of that person truly, and I've used this word a few times, as a partner. They're someone you want to invest in their success because it's a mutual thing. If you do that for them, they do that for you. You're both going to be successful and there's no competition involved. Right. I love that. And and one of the stats people may not recognize or even know about, but once you hear it, you go, oh yeah, that's true. Is that the average podcast listener listens to four or five podcasts at a time, not meaning concurrently in the same moment, but within a week span, they're oh, yeah. listening to different. So, so you don't have to think of this as a competition thing. You think of this as a, as a, we're getting in the, in the orbit of the same planet sort of a thing. That's exactly what you want. So Scott, this has been uh, just a beautiful conversation of, of savvy promotion and, and smart ways of considering people. I know that they can find everything Scott Johnson, as it relates to the show we're talking about, at what was that like.com. Tell us real quickly, just as another aside about your PC tutor show. Uh, what is that and who would benefit from that show? Basically, that show is for non techie people. I promote it as we don't use any geeky language or big techie terms. It's just stuff like, and it's all Windows. I don't use Mac computers, so it's all Windows uh, information, but you know, tips and tricks, how to do this, why does this happen? Uh, a big, you know, a scam that's going around that you want to be aware of, cool website that I found that does this great thing, stuff like that. And uh, that's every other Monday. And so, um, yeah, everybody's welcome to listen to that too. Yeah. And you set that up, you said, as a way to essentially do content marketing for your business. What was it back when you started listening to a podcast that made you realize, you know, this is a no brainer. I should actually do a show about the kind of things I'm trying to sell. One of the first podcasts that I listened to was School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Yeah, good old and Dave. obviously, he is doing a podcast to promote his podcast creation, and he helps people get started podcasting, and people that are already started, he helps them grow their show and even monetize it if they want to. And I thought, well, this guy has a business, and he's using his podcast to promote his business. Why shouldn't I be doing that? You know, because I'd been doing, prior to that, I'd been doing a blog every Monday for like 10 years with the same kind of content, just simple tech stuff, tips and tricks that people should know about. But then I realized, you know, some people like to read, other people like to listen on their way to work. And this show is, it, my, that show is only like 10 minutes each episode. It's real quick. So I thought, man, why not, why am I ignoring that group of people who would rather have me in their ear? rather than somebody who just wants to read something. And I'd still do both because there are both of those types of people. But when the thing about podcasting is when somebody hears your voice, it develops such an intimate relationship and a trust, they feel like they really know you. It's kind of weird because I go to a podcasting conference or I go to someplace where people have heard my show and they'll, they'll say, hey, how, how are your dogs doing? And how did, I never met this person. How does yeah. this guy know about that? I have two little dogs, but yeah. it's, they, you ding, know, they ding, feel ding, like, ding. Yeah. yeah, they're yeah. your friend. Even though you've never met them, they feel like you are their friend. And that's, that's one of the true powers of uh, audio podcasting. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because I say all the time to clients and others that I'm advising that 
when you're podcasting, you're literally in somebody's head. Think about that. The earbud is physically in their ear. The headphone is surrounding their ear. Whatever it is, that sound is going into their head. And you get to be there in this one-on-one-ish relationship where they're valuing what you have to say. They wouldn't be listening if they didn't value what you have to say. Exactly right. You're right there. It's like you were standing there next to them talking into their ear. But with podcasting, it's not creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you could be the little uh, person on their shoulder whispering into their ear, but uh, they don't see it that way. Yeah, that's (laughs) funny. Well, Scott, this has been a joy. And uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate the time we've spent together. By the way, I don't think we told this story. Uh, Scott and I met through a uh, a mastermind that I did with other podcasters trying to uh, help each other leverage shows forward. And Scott had so much great input to add to the the mix on that conversation. And Scott, I remember at the time you were considering ads at the time, the sponsorships and that sort of thing. And you were investigating different platforms. I haven't asked you, where did you land on all that? I uh, went with Audio Boom because they, um, you know, they host the show. There were a lot of advantages. They They get all my sponsors for me. And they also include for shows that are more than 90 days old, they put the automatic dynamic ad insertion, uh, pre-roll and post-roll. And I've been very happy with them. So it's worked out well. Yeah. And so I'm assuming you get to pick the kinds of ads that you want in your show and that kind of thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They sent, they sent an email first saying, hey, this, this sponsor is interested or wants to find out. Can you go check it out? And um, yeah, I, I either approve it or I say, no, nah, that's not really something that, you know, that I'd want to do. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm not real familiar with Audio Boom. Is it a media host? So you had to transfer your show to their media hosting? Yep. My host, of course, it's, and of course now the hosting doesn't cost me anything either. True. But yes, they, they host the show. I had to do the whole transfer over and boy, was that scary. <laughs> yeah. It's scary, uh, but how did it work out in the end? It worked out fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously they do that all the time. So it wasn't scary for them. They knew what the process was. But for me... I've just heard stories of, you know, one, uh, somebody trying to trade, you know, go from one host to another and the redirect doesn't work. And all of a sudden, two years worth of audience building, now they can't find you. And yeah. that did not happen. And of course, it's an audio boom's best interest to make sure that doesn't happen, obviously. Correct. So, but Correct. yeah, it went well. Yeah, very interesting. Now, I'm not asking for specific numbers, but how's that working for you financially? Is it something you're glad you've done? Oh, Definitely. Yeah, I'm, it's it's I'm in kind of a weird situation now because any money that I make from the podcast, I'm putting back into the podcast because obviously if it's if it's a business expense, then it's all it kind of cancels it cancels out, and I don't pay taxes on that. So I'm you know I'm making not a small amount of money, but small relatively. So it's not enough to live on yet, but you know a few thousand yeah. dollars every yeah. month that I have to figure out, okay, where am I going to spend this money now? <laughs> so, so I'm buying conference tickets and I've replaced my computer and I'm buying ads on other shows too. Hmm. So if, hmm. if, uh, if someone has a true crime show that has 30, 40,000 downloads per episode, I'd want to talk to them about maybe buying some ads. Yeah. Yeah. And Scott and I are also talking about uh, putting together a high level podcaster mastermind for people in that same download demographic. So if you're one of those people, Hey, connect with me and let's talk. Definitely. Uh, I, and I can I, highly recommend having been in a, po- a mastermind with Carrie previously, it is worth it. 
it's uh, it was it was excellent to be able to network with other podcasters and have you coordinate that. Yes, highly recommended. Well, Scott, that's very generous of you. I appreciate that. Um, think the world of you, man. Thanks so much for all you're doing in the podcasting space as well. I hear you on other shows talking about tactics and approaches and things like that. Just very generous with your time and with your knowledge, and and it's uh, it's well appreciated. Absolutely, always happy to do it. And thank you. Well, before I say anything else, I want to say, Scott Johnson, thank you so much for being so generous. You know, every time I see Scott interacting on social media or I've heard him a few times on podcasts, he is just like you heard him today. He's just a very generous guy. He wants to share the details and he wants to help others succeed. And I think that's part of what makes his podcast promotion partnerships so successful. It's because he really does want to see the other show succeed as much as he wants his own show to succeed. So I would love to hear your takeaways from this episode and the things that you gleaned from what Scott had to share. You can reach out to me, Carrie, C-A-R-E-Y, at podcastfasttrack.com or comment wherever you found this episode. That's all the time we have for today. Go out and make it a podcastificating day. This show is brought to you by Podcast Fast Track, where my team provides professional podcasting services without the time suck. Full production, editing, and show notes, all in one monthly subscription package. You can find out more at podcastfasttrack.com. Now go out and make it a podcastificating day. Audio editing and show notes by podcastfasttrack.com. Get 15% off your first month by mentioning this show.